Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1, verse 11, it says, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, amen, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Verse 15 says this, This is from Paul, writing from prison. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. Amen. This scripture, uh, as last week we read from Ephesians. The scripture Paul, the writer, is writing from prison. He's imprisoned and he's writing to the believers. And he's explaining to them, what I love about the scriptures, he's talking to them a little bit about what Lee said this morning, that we're predestined. He's talked to them about their salvation, being saved, that means to be saved. And he's saying to them right at the very beginning in verse 11 to 14, he's talking to these people about the fact that they're saved. He's saying to the church, I'm talking to you about the fact that you were predestined. This is so special what's happened to you. He's encouraging them. And he goes on to say this, he says, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, when you received it, the gospel of your salvation. He says, when you believe, so these are the believers, when you believed, it says, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Amen? With a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Basically, he was saying to them in this first part of this Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, he was saying to them, it's you predestined, it's so special what's happened, but actually you have been sealed 
with the Holy Spirit. Another Bible says, signed, sealed and delivered. We've heard that in a song. Signed, sealed and delivered. But what I love about this scripture is that even though he talks about this being signed, sealed and delivered. And in in other words, when it talks about that, if you imagine the words that's used, it's like a, a signet. If someone, like a king or someone, puts their ring and seals something. And seals, and God has sealed us with his spirit. Protects us. Protects our salvation. But what I love about this scripture and I want to focus on today is this. That in verse 15, even though Paul has told them all about the attributes, all these great things. About the fact that we've been sealed by his spirit. He then says in verse 15, for this reason, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But he says this, I keep asking. This is his prayer for the Ephesian church. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Basically, after saying to them that they have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, they've received Jesus, they've accepted the gospel, this great message, and they've received this seal from the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying there's more. You might say, well, I, I, I've given my heart to God, I've, I've accepted Jesus, I've, I'm sealed. He's protected me, but what is Paul talking about that he wants to say in verse 15 that there's more than just that? And I just want us to focus just for a short time today on what Paul is saying. In other words, he's saying you've received this gift of salvation. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but there's another stage. There's another stage for you to pursue. It doesn't just end there. Interestingly, this is coming from someone. Someone is encouraging them to pursue for more. And this person who's encouraging them to do it is in prison. He's not the best person, is he, to encourage us to pursue for something else in addition to our salvation. Something that is in addition When the result is that he's in prison. The person who writes this is in prison, but he's telling them there is more. I want to encourage you today. That today when people have been baptized downstairs. The very thing that they've done, they've received Jesus. Amen. They've accepted the gospel. They've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. They've accepted Jesus into their life. And they're going to do a public statement today that says, I believe in Jesus. I've accepted the gospel. And I'm publicly declaring this. But let me tell you, there's more after you come up from the water. It's not just ending there. There's many people we meet on the streets and when we talk to them, we go out. have got a faith. From different religions or whatever. But some people talk to us about, yeah, I I think I was baptized. But they seem to have wandered. 
This seemed to not have anything in addition to this special day. And I want to encourage you today that when you are baptized, what is effectively happening is today is your funeral. It's your early funeral. No, this sounds morbid. But today is your funeral day. The Bible talks to us all about dying to self. It talks about putting things to death. Jesus was crucified. And our sins were crucified with him. Today my my title of my message is, I'm dying to know. I'm dying to know. I don't know whether you are, but I'm dying to know what Paul is talking about that we can pursue beyond our salvation and the public declaration and what we can do next. But also I believe that we have to die to know. Amen? Number one this morning is to know him personally. You have to find out who Jesus is personally. Paul said this in what we've just read in verse 17. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. For what? So you may know him better. The spirit that you were sealed with isn't just a force. It's not a power. It's not something that has just put a mark on you and left you to your own devices and said, all the best in your new religion. The Spirit of God is a person. The Spirit of God is a person we can know and get better. Paul is saying, you have found Jesus. You have found the Spirit. You've been marked with Him. But he doesn't say you can know this force better. You can find out a bit more about this supernatural power. He says, you can know Him better. I want to encourage you today that when you're baptized or for any Christian who maybe just doesn't seem to know Him, you can know Him better. Just like your friend, you will get to know them and you'll spend time around them. The more you spend with them, the more you get to know them. Paul is saying here, you're not just marked by the Holy Spirit, but you can get to know Him. He's closer than a brother. He is closer than a mother. And he wants to get close to us. If you turn in your Bibles to John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. Jesus says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever. Praise God. We're not on our own. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Get the word him. Because it neither sees him. Nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives in you. And he lives with you and will be in you. Verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Jesus is saying here, 
in this scripture, six times he personifies the Holy Spirit. Six times he declares in just that short passage that the Holy Spirit is a person. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you now. I'm not going to forsake you. Someone's going to come, an advocate, someone just like me is going to come, but it's like a, a person. It's not a force. Six times he describes the Holy Spirit as a person. And I want to encourage you today, this person now, as Paul said, he wants you to know him better. Some of us this morning, we can't see past the gift. We can't see past the, the, the message of salvation, this gospel we've received. It, for some it can just be religious. It can just be we receive this gift, but we can't really see past it. And I want to encourage you, as Paul said, there's more. You can know him better. How many of you got here? You could put your hand up. You know right now a best friend you've got. There's someone you know who is your best friend. You could say, I grew up with them, I did this with them, and they're your best friend. And the reason why they're your best friend is because you spend a lot of time together. You knew each other, you understood each other. You're not just best friends because it was like a pen pal who you wrote to. You're best friends because you know them so well. In fact, I've got a friend who was so close to me when I was younger. Now I don't see him so often. But I know him inside out. I could tell you by looking at his face. If I saw him, I can tell you by looking at his face if someone spoke to him. What he's thinking, generally. Because I just know him. And the reason I know him is because I spent so much time as a young boy with him. And I want to encourage you today. Jesus wants you to know him better, just like a friend. In fact, Jesus wants you to be his best friend. You might say, oh, this sounds a little bit corny. Jesus being a friend, he's not even here. His spirit is here. Jesus said six times in John, I'm going to send a spirit, my spirit, and he's going to be with you and in you. We can know him better, our man. What's amazing is this, that the creator of heaven, the creator who made everything we see, is saying to us today, I came down to earth. My spirit is here and I want to know you and I want to be your friend. And I want to encourage you, and I'm still learning in this, that actually you have to start talking to him just like he's your friend. Some of us, without going into detail here, some of us and going into another message, but some of us when we come and pray, it's like we sometimes don't even come and pray. We think he's some God who is so big and scary. Oh yeah, he's big. He's not scary. We should fear God. But he's not scary. We should come to him just like he's our friend. Some of us may need to in our prayer time start changing our vocabulary to just start talking to him like, Hey dad, I want to know you more. And I can guarantee you the moment you start to treat him like your friend, he will be your friend. How many of you, put your hand up if you use Facebook. 
There's quite a few people in here, I imagine. Facebook people. Boy, boy, Facebook can take over your life, can't it? But how many of you know that there's so many people out there that they seem to be getting that many friends on Facebook? And this day and age is becoming to the point where people almost, we're getting such a digital age where we communicate through people digitally. You know how great it was yesterday that 50 women met up here and had lunch together. That's better than any Facebook chat. But we're getting in such a digital age and it will get even more like this where we will not have enough time for each other because there will be so much crammed into a day that the digital age and our relationships will be relying upon these communication devices and methods. And some of us today, we have 300, 1,000 friends. Who's this invite? I don't know them, but I'll accept them because it'll look like i got another friend. You know it. But it's true. Because some of us, sometimes we want to be popular. Because of how we, oh look, he's, look how many friends he's got. Look how many friends she's got. Let me tell you this, that they're not friends, real friends, some of them. Some of them are. I'm not saying that they're not your friends. But the majority of them, we just accept them and we haven't seen them we, for years. And some of us can treat God like this. He's just a Facebook friend. He's just a picture. He's just another person in our lives. We'll accept him. And he's just the same as everything else. I might read his profile status sometimes and read what he wants. But if I don't like it, I might just turn off in the privacy settings. and Because I don't like some of the things God's challenging me on. So I think I might just turn off some of these notifications as it were. Some of us do that. But let me encourage you, God, Jesus is not a Facebook friend. He's closer than that and he wants intimate relationship with us. He wants to know us better. You have to spend time with him. John 15 verse 5 to 8 in the message, if we have that up, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood. Gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Jesus' words... Asking us to remain in Him. Remain in Him. So it's intimate and organic. Not fake. It's organic and it grows. And it's intimate. Number two. Today is that we should know, you should know your purpose. Know your purpose. Verse 18 in Ephesians 1 said this, I pray That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, Paul said. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Again, Paul says, not know him better. He says, know the hope. 
He's saying you've received Christ. You've received salvation. Now there is a hope. There is a future. The future's bright. The future is Christ. Amen. It's not orange. It's Christ. We should know the hope to which he's called us. Paul prays. Here he's praying for the church. He prays for the the, the believers in Ephesus that their eyes of their heart will be opened. You might say, well, when I receive salvation, God opened my eyes, my blind eyes to see the truth. But here he's saying there's more. He says there's more. Your eyes have been opened. You've received the truth. You now see it. Amazing grace. I was blind, but now I see. But he says there's more. I want to pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. In other words, beyond this amazing gift of grace, there's a bright future ahead. When you get baptized today, and you come up from the waters, I say again, it doesn't end there. The future is bright. There is purpose. There is a designed plan for your life. When you die to self on earth, when you crucify some of the things, when you empty yourselves of everything and say, God, I want more of you. I want to die to myself. That's when we know him better and we know his purpose. The trouble is, when we don't die to ourselves, when we don't die to self, there's so much of our own plans in us that we just, there's nothing of his plan and purpose. We need to get to a position where we know his purpose. Where we know everything and it's when we die to ourselves. Die to our own plans. Die to our own will. Amen? When you were saved, the Bible says you were buried. You were buried with him. Like I said earlier, it's your funeral day. For those baptized, it's a symbolic day. That you were, you were buried. When you go under the water, the reason why we talk about full immersion and we go under water and come back up is because it's a symbolic thing is to say you were buried with Christ and you're rising up just like he rose from the dead. And how many of you know that when Jesus rose from the dead, there was a bright future ahead? Not only for him, but for all the people he saved. It doesn't end there. But we need to die to self to know his purpose. Romans 6, verse 3 to 5, in the message again, it says this. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world. Wow. By our Father. So that we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. Wow. I love that. I want some of that. I want to be raised up and I want to see a light-filled world. In a grace, new grace, sovereign country.
In other words, there's a new land. There's a new land and a new map for you to have and wander in. It ain't just the old. You're walking a new journey. Somewhere for you to explore. How many of you know when you arrive in a new place and you find the map and you're just looking and you see tourists in a city and they're looking. You can always spot the tourists with the maps. Looking and on the corner. I try always not to look like a tourist in any place we ever go. I remember in France once, we were in France and Emma said, put that book away. You look like a tourist. I said, we are tourists. What do you think we are? Yeah, but people know we're not from round here. But we look at the map of a new place. God has given you a map. He's given you a new journey. A new thing to explore in a light-filled country. Amen? We're speaking metaphorically, but this is what the Bible says. That you were, there is more to find out. It doesn't end there. Paul wanted them to find hope. He wanted them to find hope after they got saved. To see, to be enlightened, to see there is a hope-filled future. Again, just let me remind you, these words are coming from someone who is in prison. They're coming from someone who is locked up. Yeah, he's banged up. He's writing pen to paper to a letter to a church in Ephesus. These very words we're reading. He's saying to them, I know you're saved, but let me tell you there's something more to it than that. There's something more to it that you can know Jesus better. I found I know him better. This is the one who was knocked off a horse. He was knocked to the ground, blinded. And he saw Jesus. And Jesus told him to go into all the world and preach the good news. This is the one who saw these great things and now he's locked up, but yet he's telling the church there's more. Let me tell you this, the more that he's talking about is not about how you feel in your circumstances. When we know him better and we know his purpose, it's not about how we feel. He's in prison. Let me, the food must not have been that good. It can't have been the best view. It can't have been a, a new grace-filled country in the way that we look at it. I'm sure it's a dark place. But what he's talking about is this. Is when you know him better. When you see the direction and the hope he gives you. It's not about what you see with your natural eye. I know through my, through God's spirit. He sets in me a heart of eternity. There's something he does inside of me. That despite the things around. I know that there's a hope. And the hope I follow is not based on whether there's a traffic jam on Mill Road or I haven't got something I wanted that I asked God for. He was in prison, but he said there's a hope. The problem is that some of us today can't see past our nose. We just look at the things around us. We judge our Christianity, the hope. Well, if this is it, Lord, then this ain't good for me. And we can't see past our nose. Sometimes I've been like that. We look at the things around us and we judge the whole thing about what we see. And I want to encourage you, some people today 
are wandering Christians back to the graveyard. They're going back to the tombstone. They're going back to where they were baptized, they came up, they had this life ahead of them. But they go back to the graveyard and they go back to the tombstone and they have their own little ceremony remembering the sins and remembering the things saying, God, surely did these things get dealt with because I feel really bad and, and they go back. I want to, I want to encourage you today to get out of the graveyard, to get away from the tombstone, to get away from the place where you left it all behind because Jesus says it was buried with Christ. And now Christ is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's not there. He's not back at the grave that you keep pondering back to and looking and saying, but Lord, I remember those sins. Are they down here as well? Are they here? Did you deal with them? We go back, looking again. Jesus says, get out of there. Get away from the gravestone. Because when you were raised up, you were raised with Christ. And you have a light-filled future. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 3 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Amen. Hidden. Don't go looking for it. Don't go grave digging. Digging up the grave again. Saying Lord but I'm just going to check whether those things. Because they were serious you know Lord. They were big stuff that I did. And I'm not sure if I can deal with this and we can bury them things again. Or make sure that they're buried. Then I can move on. Every single thing we've done was buried with Him. When you're baptized today, it's signifying that very burial. It's signifying that very thing that says everything you've ever done has been crucified and buried. If you've got a problem, just take a trip back to the cross. Look at Jesus again. We sung it earlier. This is our God. The one who gave it all for us. Amen. Remember Paul said in Ephesians 1. That we know the hope. He said that I pray that your eyes may be enlightened. How many people. You go in the bookshops now. And you look on the bookshelves. There's more spiritual books. Saying 15 ways to achieve spiritual enlightenment. It's true. There's lots of books saying this and that. Saying Three ways, three steps to find spiritual enlightenment. This avenue, that way. Believe you, no one knows where to go. You're better off with a map on the corner of the road looking around in the new city. It's so confusing. And that's the enemy. The enemy comes with so many different things to confuse us. This, ten steps, fifteen steps, three steps. Meditation, what? I'm confused. There's only one way for your eyes and your mind to be enlightened. And it's to surrender to Jesus. To surrender to Him. Give everything to Him. Ignore the books. If someone's here and says, but I love them books. Come and speak to me after because I don't like them. Because with Jesus there's grace. 
And there's only grace that can set us free. You can read your books. But when you've read the 15 steps and you've read the 3 steps, you tell me which one's the one because I don't know. But I know if I surrender everything to Jesus. As Paul said, you'll know the hope. You'll know a future. And he will enlighten your eyes. And finally, number three, know his power. Know his power. In verse 18 of Ephesians 1, it said, Know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That, this is what I love, that power is the same as the mighty strength. Just listen to these words. That power that he's talking about that's available to you when you're saved. Know this incomparably great power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Just let me remind you today. The same power that breathed life into Jesus' dead body. The same power that breathed life into it made him stand and do what he did. And resurrect himself. The same power that raised him from the grave. The same power. The same power is available to you. Paul says, I want you to know him personally. I want you to know you've got a hope beyond the grave. In this life. But not only that. I want you to know the power that's available to you. Fortunately for some people. They don't know this power. They don't know the power that's available. Last week I was with someone and prayed with them and saw God's power just come into the room and touch this person and heal them instantly. And they were shocked. I was shocked, but they were shocked as well. The more and more I'm beginning to die to self, to know him personally, to know the hope and the future that we've got with him, this bright and glorious future, The more and more I'm beginning to learn that, the other thing I'm beginning to realize is I'm starting to see his power. Starting to realize that actually this is actually true. What the Bible says is true. I know I've said it for years, but we start to understand it more. He said the script, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted, that God exerted. We underestimate the power source. We underestimate, you might be saying, I haven't been operating in power, I'm not really sure I can do that, I need so much faith. You underestimate the power source. The power source is beyond anything you will ever imagine. And this is available to us. Know this incomparably, it's incomparable, says Paul, great power. You don't find that in any book on the shelf in W.H. Smith. Sorry, W.H. Smith. Acts 1 verse 8 said this when Jesus speaking to his followers regarding the power that was going to come. When Jesus spoke and said go at Pentecost to receive the power. It said but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I believe this when we know him personally. When we know the hope. You won't just know the power, you'll need the power. 
Let me say that again. When you know him personally, when you take it a step beyond what, where you are already, you know him personally, you get to know him. When you know the hope and the plans and the future and the things that his will is, not your will, you won't just know his power, you will need his power. I'm beginning to learn that every single day. The more and more I know him personally and know his hope, now I'm starting to say, Lord, if I'm going to do know you personally and I know that your heart's desire is for people and to love people and I know you have a plan and it's not just for me to have a nice time. The plan that you have is going to require some serious power. He says, know his power. How many of you know you can have a faith that is just like a toy. I mean, you know, at Christmas time when we get toys for the kiddies, there's many times now that they just don't come with batteries. We spend a fortune at Christmas buying batteries. They seem to cost more than the presents. We went to Poundland and got a stack of them and said, look, I got all these batteries from Poundland. I thought, wow, how many you get for a pound? They're amazing. I put four of them in my bike light. I couldn't get home in the dark. They ran out on the way home. They ran out. They literally did. I texted Emma. I said, Emma, these batteries, they're terrible. I can't even get home. She said, well, they were a pound. I said, there you go. You get what you pay for. But I want to tell you today that the other faiths that are available out there, the other religions, people say to you, there's many paths all lead to one way. It's a load of rubbish. It is rubbish. There's Jesus, he's the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Other faiths may look good, may look like the nice toy at Christmas time, but their batteries are not included. There is no power to support them. There is nothing in them. There's nothing there. Let me tell you, the things we've been seeing on the streets and everything we've been doing lately and seeing God move, I'm just astounded. But it is no coincidence. It's not sensationalism. It's not, this is by accident. There's too many things going on. It's supernatural. And it's backed up by the power of God. You need to know His power. If you don't know His power, you can know His power when you die to yourself. Finally, as I close, the caveat to this, the catch... How many of you, when you meet the marketing person in the street and they ask you the questions and they said there's a free gift, what's the catch? And they carry on talking, what's the catch? There is a catch to this. There's not a catch to receiving your salvation. Jesus says it's a free gift. It's a free gift. You can have the gift. You will be saved and you will go to heaven with this free gift if you believe in Jesus. But the caveat to operating in power is getting to know God. We have to get to know God first. Because God, I've realized, starts to give power in certain measure the more He trusts us. The more He can trust us with it. The more He can trust us. Jesus operated because He was the Son of God in great power. We can operate in power. But we have to be trusted. And to be trusted, just like your best friend, you need to get to know the person who's going to give it to you. 
He's not just going to say A, B, C, just I'm going to give it to you now. Now let me tell you this, the, the gifts from God are irrevocable. Once you've got them, just like a father gives something to his child, he doesn't rob it back from them. He doesn't take the toy back from them. In God's character and in all his love, he will give you gifts. He'll give people gifts of prophetic, give people gifts and he won't take them back. I want to challenge you this. You might say, well, someone can operate in the prophetic, someone can do all these things and he won't take them back. Let me tell you this. If you don't know the person and you've got the gift, if you don't know him and spend time and you've got that gift that he gave to you, I guarantee you will not use it that often because there'll be a fear to use it. You might have it, but the batteries might be a bit low. Know him better. That's why Paul's charge to Timothy was to fan into flame. Fan into flame. The gift's there. It's always there when it's being given to you. You've just got to fan it into flame. And finally, Daniel 11, verse 32 says this. The people... That do know their God. Shall be strong. And do exploits. King James. Let me read that again. The people. That do know their God. There's a secret. That do know their God. Shall be strong. And do great exploits. Amen. Jesus said we'll do greater things. Than even he did. Whoa. That's amazing isn't it? That he will let us do the same things even more. Do you know what? The more and more I really want to pursue God. You might say I'm crazy. But the more and more I'm seeing what I'm seeing lately. The more and more I'm beginning to understand that if we keep pushing. And we keep pursuing. And we keep pushing for the power. His hope, his plans, his will. And to know him and get closer to him. The things that he said when he said, go out into all the world in Mark 16, preach the gospel, cast out demons and raise the dead. I believe he can. And I want to see in this place that same power that was exerted. That same power that God exerted to raise Christ from the dead. It's available to us to see the dead raised again. You might say, well, no, that's pushing it. I believe it. I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to run after it. I'm going to run after it because I want it. Because I know that if he says it's available, then it is. It's true. It's true. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, Go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.